Welcome to Thriving Perspectives, and thank you for taking a moment in your day to join us, hear our stories, and discover new ways to embrace thriving. I am Terry Dubroy, founder and executive director of Thrive, Enabling Potential, and today my friend and colleague Tony Cox is here to join us again for another episode, this time to discuss the topic of gratitude and appreciation and to highlight the power of gratitude in fostering a thriving mindset. We will explore how gratitude naturally emerges from life experiences and how, as we face challenges, connect with nature, build relationships, and delve into self-awareness, our sense of gratitude deepens for ourselves, our experiences, and the world around us. Gratitude is more than just a feeling. It's a powerful tool for personal healing and growth. It is a guiding light in the darkest of times that can help us to embrace change and to navigate even the most challenging situations with a positive perspective. But before we embark on this enlightening conversation, I want to express my deepest gratitude for your presence here today, Tony. Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks, Terry. I'm really happy to be here and to be talking about such an important conversation. As we transition through the captivating autumn season here in Northern Ontario, a time when nature starts to slow down, in a season of change as the forests create a mosaic of vibrant reds, oranges, and yellows, it serves as a general reminder. Amidst the gathering of the harvest and preparations for winter, we are prompted to pause and reflect on the things to be grateful for. This transformation reminds us of the ever-shifting nature of life, urging us to appreciate little moments and embrace the beauty in transitions. You know, it tells us that change even as it brings the inevitable chill of winter, is a beautiful process. It's a time to gather the fruits of our labor, both literally and metaphorically, and to express gratitude for the abundance life provides. So Tony, I'd love to begin our conversation by asking, living in the rolling hills in the Amigon Highlands, what aspects of nature and the environment during this season inspire feelings of gratitude for you and your family? It's, it's got to be the fall colors, you know, I've done so much traveling in our province and this band of Ontario just is the epic peak of color at this time of year. And the really cool thing is that today is probably the peak. Yeah. You know, we, uh, you and I were out for a paddle yesterday. That yeah, was awesome. And the colors were just on fire at mm-hmm. sunset and we know that rain's coming for the next five days. So really this is the last day. And, you know, when I think about the fall colors and how when you drift even a little further north, you start to lose all the reds of the maples. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the yellows of the poplars and the birch trees, maybe a few tamarack trees thrown in there. This is really the magic zone. And it's such a blessing to be living in a place that's such a canvas of color this time of year. And for me, it's that reminder that Things are not forever. It always reminds me this time of year to take that opportunity to really get out and get in front of those things and to really take advantage of the beauty when it's in front of you. And I think that speaks so powerfully to how we look at gratitude in general. It's that same idea of understanding that the things that we have in our lives are not always there forever and that. Luckily, the hardships are also the same way, but to approach the enjoyment and the appreciation of those things of beauty, similar to how you might take in the fall colors, knowing that they're here right now, Mm -hmm. they're not guaranteed to be here for a whole year. Yes. And so you really have to saturate yourself and, and allow that to kind of infiltrate in a really beautiful way into your senses. Yeah, I would agree. It is such a beautiful time to take stock and to give thanks to all of those things and really to appreciate even the small things that relate to the here and now and to make sure that we honor those things and and continue to, to nurture those things because it's so easy to not always be happy in life. But really, it's really nice to make sure, especially at this time of year, you know, to remind yourself of all the great things that we have and to be so very thankful for. And how about you this time of year? What are, what are the things that kind of stick out as we kind of switch seasons and 
head from fall into winter? It's so awesome to have my birthday because it serves right in the middle. Yeah, right. It is. <laughs> but again, depending on the season, sometimes the leaves will drop before mm-hmm. or they'll drop after. It's really a really cool marker for me in terms of what my understanding is for the environment. And, and I also have taken notice for the last many decades about what the rhythms are going on with animals mm. and where they're moving, uh, in particular birds and to see where the foragers are. So it's just so nice to just be a part of that and be present and take stock of that. And it's also really one of the best times to paddle too. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So the tripping season's fantastic at this time of year. And again, seeing magical bursts of color when you go from lake to lake, and depending on the lake, sometimes you have you know more evergreens or, or so on, greener colors. and. Sometimes you don't, and it's just so nice to have, and it's comfortable for sleeping and for travel. Y- you never know what it'll be like with weather, mm. but it uh, seems to always work out well. Yeah, yeah that's for so, sure. Tony, you've had many remarkable journeys throughout your life, from your solo expedition in the American Southwest to working with vulnerable youth and also First Nation communities. I'd love to hear a few moments from your adventures or your work that made you particularly grateful for the experiences you've had. For sure. I think that one of the things that always stands out to me, I've been really blessed in my life to have spent time in the company of people who've had some pretty difficult life stories. And so to be adjacent to those stories and to kind of bear witness to those always creates an opportunity for me to look at my own life and to understand that there's a lot of things in my life to be grateful for. And so I really consider the people that I've spent time with to be teachers. And that was something I think that was set as a framework in my childhood. Both uh, my mother and my father helped me to look outside of myself for teachers in different places. So my mom, at a very young age, helped me to understand that children and other people could be teachers for me, not just the teachers that stand at the front of a classroom, but you know, people that you encounter in your life, in the grocery store, in other places. And you know, my father helped me to understand that if you were to drop your arrogance, that you could encounter teachers in the natural world, you know, that you could watch nature, watch animals, and to be able to understand their habits and, and to learn from them. And so in my work, I was preconditioned, you might say, to look at the opportunities to share time with people as a privilege and an opportunity to learn from people and to learn from their stories. Yeah, and I know that you've worked with refugee children during the war in Bosnia and designed programs Mm -hmm. for youth in custody in Latvia as well. How did that inform you and you know, the importance of creating transforming experiences for youth, but also how that shifted your perspective and gratitude too. Oh, it was massive. You know, I, I went overseas to work uh, during the war in Bosnia when I was 20 years old. I had just finished my first year of university. I had saved up some money to pay for my own ticket to be part of an entourage that was exploratory in nature with my family and uh, some family friends to see if there was something that we could do in those places and whether our presence would be useful to people. And after our two-week project in the former Yugoslavia, it was really apparent that people appreciated our presence, that the things that we had to share were powerful, and that our willingness to stop talking and to listen Mm. were the hallmarks of what were important to people. People told us often that they really appreciated the response of the people from, particularly from the West, that people had brought lots of clothing, people had brought lots of supplies, lots of church groups and special interest groups. But Their comment often was that as much as they so appreciated those things that they needed so badly, 
that often people or delegates of those organizations would show up at the front gate of the refugee center and pause for a picture with them and drop off these supplies and then they would disappear. And one of the things they really appreciated about our program was that we came in and we worked intimately with people and then we sat down and let people host us and we just sat over coffee and listened to people's stories. Yeah. And that was profoundly powerful for both of us, both for the people who were the storytellers and for us receiving those stories that sometimes were incredibly difficult to hear. And yet we took those stories as, as a bit of a sacred trust and, you know, made that kind of promise inside of ourselves that we would carry those stories. We would share those stories with other people that needed to hear those stories and that we wouldn't forget those stories. And by keeping the memory of those stories alive, that we were helping to serve that person um, and to be thankful for the story that was shared, you know? Yeah. So at 20, being in a war zone uh, for a number of years, we did projects there from 1993 until 1999. I lived in country for a year. And during that time to see cities that had been decimated that were powder, um, people that had left their homes with nothing but a photograph in their pocket, you know, people that were struggling to find things to eat, things to wear, basic needs around safety. I remember coming home from a project around Christmas time and all of us kind of walking into a mall that was decked out with lights and music and decadence and it was hard to look at, yeah. you know, and the juxtaposition between the incredible need in one place and the incredible abundance in another mm -hmm. was hard to reconcile and yet forever changed my framework of gratitude because it spoke to me so powerfully in a way that penetrated so deeply into my soul yeah. <laughs> to reset your idea of what you actually need to be okay. Right. What do you really need in your life? Like really need and what remains is really what you want. <laughs> yeah. And so it helped me to understand that we're made richer not by the money that we earn, but by, there's a saying in one of the countries we worked in that uh, your wealth is counted by the depths of your friendships. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful saying that has stayed with me all these years. Mm -hmm. And it's true. And I really do measure my life that way. And I measure our friendship that way. I feel incredibly wealthy um, that we have such a powerful and beautiful friendship. And but all those things combined for me at a young age, at the age of 20, as I was heading out into the world to understand that this is a really brand new way to look at the world. This is a brand new way to understand that when I turn on the tap, water flows. Mm -hmm. You know, we met people while we were there who had endured the siege of Sarajevo. Yeah. And the siege of Sarajevo persisted for five years. And we met people there that hadn't had electricity, running water or heat for five years. Yeah. That there were snipers in the streets, that there were food shortages, that there were, there was a need to leave your home to go get water from a pumping station amidst the fighting and to come back with jugs of water in your hand. And so still to this day, there's moments where I flick on a light and kind of marvel at the fact that, you know, that that's just something we get to have. We get to flick on a light and, you know, sit by it and read it or be made to feel safe in the presence of that light. When I go on trip, I feel the same thing. It's almost like a, a pilgrimage for me. You know, when we're on trip and we're gathering our own water from the lake and we're, you know, gathering by the light of the fire and it's a remembrance of that idea that we get back to the basics and understand that. That's powerful. Right? Yeah. Where if you want a cup of tea, mm -hmm you first go down to the water and you gather it yeah. and then you bring it back and, and you gather some firewood mm -hmm. and then you light that fire and you tend that fire and you put that pot on the fire and you wait mm -hmm. and you wait for that water to boil for four minutes, no less. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then we make our cup of tea and that yeah. cup of tea feels different Yeah. when right. we're out there because 
there were things that were required mm -hmm. to brew it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just getting off the couch and walking over, hitting a button. That's right. Right? Yeah. So I, th I think it, it's forever changed me. I, I can't speak enough gratitude to my parents for being open to my brother and I having that adventure, that um, experience at 20 and 18 and a half. Mm -hmm. um, my brother is a year and a half behind me and it changed the course of our lives. And there were people that were highly critical of my parents. What are you doing? Taking yeah. your not yet grown children to How a dare war you? Zone. Yeah. How are you responsible? Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you put people in harm's way? Mm -hmm. And I look back and see that as one of the greatest parts of my education. For sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, well, obvious to me at least, perhaps not to other folk, that it requires having a good disposition and seeing the good and overcoming obstacles of various stripes, yeah. thinking on your feet and being able to problem solve. Yeah. I'm sure you're a bit better at it now, but that's something you've always been strong out, no doubts. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sure that is based in the reflection, the decision made by your parents as well to even ask and invite and to see if that was something that the two of you would welcome in your lives. Mm -hmm. And it all went well. Yeah. Right? But I'm sure there are times, though, that things must have been dicey. Oh, no doubts. And would have been a bit nerve-wracking, too, for sure. Yeah. But through all of those things, the work that you were able to do yeah. and the people that you met, and I just find it so interesting that you speak about how that informs your gratitude, yet all the activities that you did in bringing such simple joy, lending an ear to someone or doing some programming to allow an invitation for fun and a lifting of spirit and an engagement in imagination and creativity, I'm sure was so very important to those people mm. that you worked with. Well, it, it's, it's really beautiful because we've stayed in touch with some of those people. And so we have really dear friends that we met at that time over 25 years ago now in the moment that we arrived to deliver programming at their refugee center. And now some of those people are lifelong friends and mm -hmm. we connect on Facebook still. And they, they tell us what that impact was for them, you know, 25 years gone by now. And we get to see their lives now, 25 years later. And that's not always the case, right? And so, um, but I think, I think it's a really wonderful gift that gets to be shared for people that are open to it, uh, to understand that when we share aspects of ourselves in service to other people, that the truest, most respectful form of service is reciprocal. Right. And I think that the people of the former Yugoslavia and Bosnia and Croatia are highly hospitable people and hospitality is one of their key qualities. And so we had a lot of people and we had to be really careful. It was really interesting. We had to be really careful not to arrive around a mealtime mm. because people mm. would put on a feast for us yes. and that food right. would detract from their food. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. we were really yeah. mindful after a Wild. few situations where we we're like, yeah, yeah, we can't, we can't do that because no. they will do everything yeah. to put on a feast. Yeah, to break and bread and have that's a feast. Right. Yeah. And so it was really, really interesting just to kind of see that a number of families told us, please promise us that at the end of the war, you'll come back. That at the end of the war, you'll come back when we're in our homes so we can host you properly. Amazing. And so there was a particular family that we made a strong connection with. And at the end of the war, we went back to Sarajevo. They say Sarajevo. Hmm. And they hosted us at their apartment. And we had a beautiful time together. And it was a, a closing of the circle, right? It was an opportunity for that to come fully around and for 
that to feel like them standing in a p- part of their power mm-hmm. and to be able to host us in a way that fit with their culture, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Really beautiful. So interesting to see, you know, I remember traveling in a city called Mostar during the war and Mostar was a really powerful place in that it was a, a place of opposites. You know, there was a river that ran through the town, a beautiful emerald colored river. There was a beautiful stone bridge that was absolutely white that crossed the river and it's a medieval town. And so it's ringed by mountains. The town is named after the bridge. So Mostar hmm. mean, comes from the word Stari Most, which means old bridge. Okay. And um, on the two different sides of the river during the war, the population got separated. And so one day, uh, the powers that be just decided that if you belong to this culture, you should be on this side of the river. And if you belong to the other, mm. that you should be on the other side of the river by mm-hmm. tomorrow night. And sadly, like in most families around the world, um, families are multicultural, Yeah. right? So you've got mom who belongs to one culture, dad who belongs to another culture, and your children are then what? What side of the river should they be on tonight, tomorrow night? Isn't that wild? Yeah. I, if I understand this correctly, then the authorities would find out, the local authorities would find out that they didn't honor yeah. that split. Yeah, and people and would then be... And then everyone would be in trouble or forcibly moved. So for the sake of family, then they had to draw those distinctions about which way to go. So there were times where people were telling us that they would stand on the riverbanks. They were mined. There were mines on the riverbanks on both sides. So you couldn't cross the river only on the bridges, uh, the few bridges in town. And uh, people would stand on either side of the river and look at each other. Right. (sighs) And, you know, phones are down. And so you share a look across the river and kind of wave at each other or shout at each other. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, really still stirs my soul, you know. Yeah. it's um, But I can remember being in that town and uh, being hosted by an organization there that was working with youth in the town. And one of the projects they did that I appreciated so much and thought it was such an interesting thing back then was that they gave cameras to the local children and teenagers and encouraged them to go around the town and to take pictures of what they considered to be beautiful in their Hmm. city that was still actively under siege and uh, in bad shape. And they had a dark room that they had built inside the house that they were uh, operating out of. And they brought the kids in and helped them develop the film and blew up pictures and then they had a exposition right. and they framed the pictures, put them on the wall and invited the community to come in and look at this is how your youth see the city and how they perceive the things that are still beautiful amidst the devastation of war. So powerful, right? so moving yeah, and so real, yeah. right? Coming yeah. from youth. That's yeah. such a raw or more honest perspective that they would portray yeah. in, in the best way that they knew yeah. how to do. And so therapeutic too, yeah. right? For them to be able to, because, you know, and I know we're going to talk about this today, just that idea that gratitude is a habit. Gratitude's a practice. It's a muscle, something that needs to be exercised and I think that's exactly what that exercise was helping young people to do and equipping them with was that things are hard right now. Yeah. But there's still beauty here. You know, I think back to some of the pictures of like, I remember seeing a wall, a stone wall that was like an old wall of like a, in someone's garden or something like, you know, between houses and there was a big hole in it that had been uh, from a gunshot or a grenade shrapnel or something, but there were plants growing in the hole. And so the picture was looking through the hole in the wall to the light in the blue sky. And there was plants growing out of, right. And it was just this idea of, you know, it was hope personified, right? Yes. I think it was a place of incredible darkness and incredible light. Yeah. And, those two really contrasting characteristics 
helped me to understand that even in the midst of kind of darkness and destruction and chaos, that there was also beauty and courage and hopefulness. Yeah, that's true. I think those things kind of really stood by as benchmarks for me. I really appreciate the visual of that and the importance of finding beauty in all things. And that, I mean, that is an internal beauty and looking at the importance of overcoming even the greatest obstacles in time. Hmm. I know there's so much more to that story and yeah. I know some of the intense challenges that you faced and overcome yourself, but perhaps uh, we'll, we'll speak about that on another it's podcast. For another moment. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Both personally and later in your career, how did your involvement in your past working with First Nation peoples and communities shape your understanding of gratitude? Mm. Yeah, I feel really blessed to have had, uh, through the course of my life, uh, a lot of really beautiful friendships with First Nations uh, people and communities. And from the time I was a teenager was really around First Nations teachings a lot. And First Nations paradigms of the world are built around gratitude, right? And so that was a really interesting one for me. And it really resonated for me as a young person mm -hmm. uh, because I was somebody through my family upbringing who spent a lot of time in the natural world and uh, someone who really recognized beauty and loved to be in front of it, but also was really deeply grateful for those things that were around me in the world. And so that culture of gratitude was something that also powerfully informed the way I look at the world. And so, you know, I had some First Nations friends during my travel to the American Southwest. I met a young Navajo man who became a good friend of mine and he welcomed me into his world and into some beautiful places that were magical. And, you know, in my professional career, I then went on to have the opportunity to work with First Nations and uh, Inuit communities up north and to be able to understand their deep connection to the land. And I'm so blessed to understand a bit more, though, you know, as a a non-Indigenous person, you know, we can't fully ever understand the journey that our Indigenous people in Canada have been on with regards to residential schools and, you know, that whole journey of cultural attack. And, but I do really understand from being invited inside some of those communities, the deep importance of keeping the balance of those practices about understanding that you don't take more than you share back with the land and that when you take things, you, you, you strive to take things in a beautiful way and to harvest those things in a beautiful way. You know, I met a woman in my 20s who was a Haudenosaunee woman from the Six Nations and she was uh, talking about harvesting sweetgrass and she was talking about it being the hair of Mother Earth and that when they harvest sweet grass, they braid it while it's still in the ground. And so they braid it like they're braiding a woman's hair and they sing to the earth as they're braiding her hair, like they would sing to their sister, their little sister, when they're braiding her hair and sitting with her. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. It really... Mm -hmm. whew, you know, like yeah. I still get this rise in yeah. my heart when I hear that story come out of my mouth. And, you know, the thought that you could cherish something so powerfully and to treat something with such regard and respect. And that when you're taking something off the land, that you're being so mindful of it and that it's not something that you're just absentmindedly snatching up like a bulldozer would kind of take down 20 trees in a minute, you know, and yeah. it, it's just such a powerful contrast. And so, you know, for people that take the time to really truly get to know people in our indigenous communities, 
that's something you fundamentally understand is that gratitude lives at the heart of those communities. Yeah, it does. And despite the hardship that people have faced, that there's that for people that are on that healing path and have really begun to reconcile the hurt or the struggle or the, but it's so intergenerational. Yes. It's generation on generation. That's right. And really it just seems like, it's almost in its beginning process in mm -hmm. a way too. Yeah. And yet there's always so much that, that we've been around yeah. to be so thankful for still yeah. within first nation communities. Yeah. Well, and you know, our Anishinaabe friends would say that generosity is a really powerful part of their culture and mm -hmm. folks out West as well. And, and all the, all the first nations folks I've come across yeah. that generosity is something that is a, uh, a powerful quality and I think generosity and gratitude go hand in hand it's they part do. of that circle you know yeah. I remember uh, meeting a Cree friend up north and he was telling me about he had a really close uh, relationship with his grandfather and his grandfather lived in the days before snowmobiles and so his grandfather was in really good shape yeah. you know his grandfather grew up um, chasing deer down in the deep snow with his snowshoes yeah. And one generation later, his grandfather talked about how people were getting too soft, you know, and just that, you know, that they had lost that mastery of their bodies, mm -hmm. right? And that um, willingness to kind of be in the rhythms of the earth. And the advent of uh, chest freezers came next. And so my friend Rodney tells me, he said, you know, my grandfather looked at the chest freezer and he said, said, so that's the greedy box. The greedy box. The greedy box. And uh, so Rodney said, well, what do you mean, Grandpa? And he said, it's the greedy box because if you've got extra, you should share it. It shouldn't yeah. be in that box. So you don't put it in there. You find who needs it in the community, and you go and give that to that person. You visit those grandmas and those grandpas, and you make sure that they've got meat, and you make sure that they've got you know the things they need for uh, making uh, fry bread and all that stuff, right? So it... Uh, was one of those things that, you know, I can't imagine someone in our non-Indigenous culture calling a freezer a greedy box. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's one of those things of understanding that, you know, understanding what you have. Mm -hmm. It's that understanding that I have a surplus. What do I do with that surplus? Do I put it in the greedy box? Or do I, I take that out in the community yeah. and ask people... Who needs this? Are, are there people that yeah, are hungry? It's, how it's best used. Come, yeah. come to our house and we're going to yeah. have a fish fry. Yeah, for sure. And, and we're going we're gonna to serve all this food up and just let people, you know, eat and, mm. uh, and feel full. Yeah. So. And, to, and to be welcoming with yeah. that too. So it's definitely one of those things for me that, you know, First Nations friends have gifted to me is that understanding about how we take things and how we give thanks for things mm -hmm. and that circle of taking and thanking and, and giving appreciation yeah. and giving and generosity. Yeah. yeah. You know, I really enjoy how we both foster gratitude, Tony, as a regular part of our programming in our independent and our shared work. So as a CEO of leaders of the day and the experiential learning programs director thrive, and as the board chair for the Canadian Adventure Therapy Adventure Committee, to name a few, you have a unique perspective on leadership and personal development. How does gratitude tie in your philosophy of leadership and helping others reach their potential? Mm. You know, for me, as I look around, I spend a lot of time with people in different leadership capacities particularly people that are leading others organizationally or otherwise. And I think something that is sadly the exception and not the rule is that, you know, people's capacity to appreciate their teams. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's something that's not taught well in a lot of places. And therefore the fact that people don't have those skills is not a place to put blame necessarily. It's, it's just an understanding that it, it's a rarity and it's unfortunate that yeah. that's the case. Well, well right? I think we would both wish for more uh, mindfulness and present moment awareness, but it's not always in large supply. No. 
And so I think that, you know, as it relates to leading others, that in the places that I've seen that done the best and certainly the places that I've, you know, had the opportunity to be in a workplace, when there's the feeling that things are a community, you know, and I, there's been many workplaces for me that have been like that and I've been really blessed that way. It's that spirit of kind of reflection and... And self-discovery even. Yeah, for sure. And sharing back to people um, the things that you see yeah. and the things you appreciate about them. And feel. Yes. Because when people feel appreciated, you can do a lot more, you know? When you feel unappreciated and you're tired, yeah. it's really tough to not feel a bit trodden upon. And I think as it relates to kind of the retention of staff and the creation of positive kind of inclusive communities, mm. that's where the magic lies is mm. to be able to help people reflect and to create a culture of appreciation. Right. And it's something you and I both know from a personal development standpoint yes. that the key to happiness is for people to be able to see beauty around them, mm -hmm. right? We've all met people who have on the outside the appearance of having every living thing that you could have, money, privilege, opportunity, and yet are distinctly unhappy. Mm -hmm. And most of those people, if you put that under the microscope, are people that have not developed a culture of appreciation and gratitude in their life. Mm -hmm. And they are unable to see the beautiful things that are around them. So when you talk about success, and we so often do, success is such a subjective thing and is different for everybody. But so often we think about success being the money, the cars, the homes, the prestige, the all those things. And so many people, you know, that we've had the opportunity to meet with who have attained all those things and feel empty still. Why is that? Because they're unable to see the beautiful things in their life. They're just on a quest for more and better. And that's a really dangerous proposition as it relates to happiness, right? Yeah. Because it's an unending hunger. That's right. Yeah, it really is. Right? And so I think that is the thing for me that was such a, a powerful and beautiful gift. It's something I strive, and I know you do as well, mm -hmm. to, to give to our own kids and to the young people that we have the opportunity to spend time with is that we know that helping people to create a framework for appreciation and gratitude mm -hmm. is the best thing we could enable them with. Right? Right? So for true. them to be able to look around and see in their lives the people that matter to them mm -hmm. and to be able to share authentically with them and right. to thank them and to cultivate those relationships in a deep way, right? Those are the things that create happiness. Yeah, I really do. I, I really believe our programs encourage self-reflection and self-discovery and being able to reflect on our experiences and our emotions and our interactions during that time lead to greater awareness, right? Yeah of our strengths, our weaknesses, and our values, which in turn can foster gratitude for the unique qualities and experiences. And through that, you can then look, seek, and value, hmm. and be a participant and all those things that are around you as a result. Yeah. So I guess it's, as you were alluding to earlier, it's the work that we need to do within ourselves for sure, and giving ourselves gratitude for the things that we're working on and you know that proverbial self-pat on the back in a way mm -hmm. especially if we're furthering you know the acknowledgement of those things and also the acceptance of others that are around us in enhancing that self-awareness yeah you know also taking individuals out of comfort zones tony and i know you know even on our last podcast he spoke at great length about that and in the challenging uh, outdoor environments and what that does for us too, in terms of shifting uh, our perspectives and changing the scenery and routine, there's such great value in doing those mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Well, it's so powerful when we take people on expedition, right? And it's that, it's that reset to basic things, like I said earlier, about 
this this is how we make a cup of tea in the morning, yeah. right? A deep and, appreciation. Right? Yes. And it's not because it's crappy. It's no. not because, oh my God, what a burden. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. It's not that. It's that understanding that, right. you know, that fire that you learned how to create is yeah. what powered the water to boil, right? Yeah, to pick some medicine off of a yeah. cedar tree and add that in, into your, yeah. your cup of tea and... Right. Yeah. And by extension, you know, people often tell us they go home and they go, I, I'm just going to really appreciate small things. I'm going to appreciate my bed. I'm going to appreciate the fact that I can go turn the lights on. Yeah. Appreciate that, um, you know, I've got warmth in my home. Yeah. Right. All these things that there is comfort and discomfort. That's right. Yeah. And awareness that you have comfort. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just kind of take the comfort for granted and never have an opportunity to see outside of that and to get some perspective on that. So, well, sometimes, and I think that's something I've always enjoyed the gentle nudgings that you, you give in terms of feedback for participants, even your own children when I'm around them, other friends, family, and the like, it's just something who you are too. You're never uh, boisterous about that. I always find you're, you give gentle, loving nudges about where that, shifting can take place Mm. and i know that gets asked of you sometimes too but really it is about knowing when it's time to shift gears and Mm -hmm. find something else sometimes perhaps leaving the things that aren't working towards something that's working Mm -hmm. yeah well and i think it's such a a big part about being able to honor people Mm -hmm. right and learning how to gift people too right it's uh I think it's something I grew up with as well, where my mom is probably one of the greatest examples of that for sure, is that she still makes cards from hand, you know, by hand. Yeah. And so... People do that still? Yeah. And she hand, <laughs> hand writes the messages and, yeah, you know, you feel the love when you yeah, open that. Totally. She decorates the envelopes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's... Um, so when when she gives a gift you know that there's been a lot of thoughtfulness prepared inside of that gift. And, and I would say that so many people feel honored by my mom, Mm -hmm. you know, because she keeps track of people's birthdays and she keeps track of all those things. And she wants you to feel loved and she wants you to feel remembered on that day and all those things. And so I think that's a big part of that as well. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, and, something that we like to foster in the course of our work. And uh, I know my mom really helped me with that understanding about the importance of overcoming obstacles Mm -hmm. and, you know, to boost your self-esteem and self-confidence through that. And I love the fact that when participants successfully overcome physical and mental challenges, they may feel, and they do feel a stronger sense of accomplishment and gratitude for their own newfound abilities and their newfound resilience. And that was key for my understanding and becoming who I needed to be as a man. Mm. And that's something that I'm so cognizant in providing some of those offerings uh, for folk to be able to look at those things and be like, way to go. Like, mm-hmm. great job. Yeah, It's just not something that people get to hear all the time mm-hmm. and obstacles come in different forms and shapes and sizes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Physical and uh, emotional, mental and so on. Yeah. And you know, I think gratitude is so much about a, a celebration in a lot of ways. And one of the people we do the poorest job of celebrating is ourselves. Yeah. And like we were speaking about earlier, you know, there's, people that could, you know, on the outside appear to have all the things Mm. and still not be happy. And sometimes that relates to the fact that they could be really good at the things they do and therefore have the appearance of, of success and confidence. And people say beautiful things about them all the time. Man, you're so good at that. That's amazing. That's awesome. But Mm. inside the inner narrative that's happening is so corrosive and destructive and unsure and damning Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter about the voices outside because Mm -hmm. the voice inside is so loud, right? And so, you know, I think you and I both understand in our work that for people to have increased happiness in their life, 
one of the things they need to do is to understand that there's already a lot of beautiful things in your life, regardless of your circumstances. You know, people with terminal cancer will tell us that despite the fact that I've got five months to live, Mm -hmm. that there are beautiful things around me in the midst of all that. And so being able to understand, first of all, that there yeah. are beautiful things around us. And second of all, to be able to be kind to yourself mm-hmm. and to celebrate your own achievements. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before where I think people so often are depending on other people to celebrate them. Mm-hmm. And that's an okay thing to like, you know, you want to surround yourself with people mm-hmm. that love you and care about you and have your back. Mm-hmm. And ideally that are going to celebrate you, right? Yeah. You know, that's... Definitely, you know. Doesn't it only take a, uh, a quick thumbs up? Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that is a powerful lesson is to understand that in the absence of that celebration outwardly, that we can still celebrate ourselves yeah. and to make time for that and to be able to truly have that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the... Well, I don't think, I know that all ages require time, energy, and effort to learn about how that works. And we often speak to that publicly with our groups. And it doesn't matter if it's a student group or a quote-unquote high-performing you know, business group. Professionals, yeah. Professionals. It's interesting that the discussions, perhaps the words have changed, and I know you'd agree with that, that we choose to use, but the meanings have not changed at all. Mm -hmm. And it's the requirement for success to take place based on the work that we've always done. And I love how we do it. And our approaches are not always the same that way. The outcomes are though, Mm -hmm. is that we have to teach to that. And it's just like, you know, young students too, or, or forming groups and being together. It's to know how to be able to celebrate yourself and other people in ways that can really be shifting and moving and be a little bit more profound and a little bit richer in context as well. Yeah. How many times, I mean, we have some really powerful activities that have people witnessing great things that other people are displaying, right? And to be able to look at people and go, wow, you're really good at that or I really appreciate that about you. But being able to articulate that Mm -hmm. And to say those things to that person. And, you know, so often we have people that arrive to us who say, wow, that was a really hard activity for me. Because in my family, we just don't say those things. Don't say them. Yeah. We don't, I never heard that growing up. Nobody said to me, hey, bud, you're amazing at that. You know, great job. Or I was just so proud of you. And, you know, and that's a, a sad reality. But you know, where do you, where do you go to learn those things so that those things can then live in the next generation so that those things can be part of a positive workplace that you belong at, you know, those things seem trifles, but they're not, they're the, they're the foundations of what makes everything else strong. And so, you know, having a culture of gratitude in your workplace and honoring people and appreciating their efforts yeah. and their work. And but we just can't assume they know how to do it. No, that's you know? the thing. That's and the thing. I kind of come back to that again. Yeah. We, we just, the assumption can't be there. Right. It takes mindful practice. Right. Right. It could be the start of a workshop or a retreat. It could be the start of an adventure going somewhere for days in the backcountry. But that doesn't change. There has to be that guided gentle but guided understanding about how that works yeah and that's the way you foster positive outcomes is through that it is to bring that awareness to things and breathe more life into it Mm -hmm. and i and i love that that's what happens because then it becomes more of an expectation too that that's something that's celebrated more regularly as a result Mm -hmm. right yeah. of that work that's get, that gets crafted. And then people begin to spend further time in pinpointing that in other people. That's really great what they're doing. I took notice of how much time they took before an activity took place to get ready so they could be better mm-hmm. with giving to other people. Yeah, 
You know, when you hear cool comments that mm-hmm. people are starting to notice about other yeah. people that way too. Yeah. I mean, that's so, uh, that's so important. And I guess that comes back to what we were talking about earlier about for mindfulness and present moment awareness. It kind of begets those things, yeah. you know? And I just think that it, from COVID too, it's almost requiring a reboot of that mm-hmm. as our social interactions, you know, I have to admit, and, and I don't want to take away or go too far down a rabbit hole in this regard, but it's just something I've noticed is that people's fuses are shorter mm-hmm. since COVID and the explanations I get for things or the helpful nature that was there before seems to be in far shorter supply. Mm-hmm. And when I'm getting that feedback or when I'm getting that from people over their phone or over the counter or other interactions, I'm just going to have to be nicer. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to be more patient and I may have to tell a cornier joke, right? <laughs> and I know there are other people out there listening that this is the time that we're needed yeah. to be able to really, when we see some of those good things coming from other people, that we're really self-aware to say, you know, thank you for taking that time with me and I appreciate you for you. And that could be over simple to complex things as well. And to reinforce that, right? Because I think you're right that it's something that's been eroded uh, because people have had so much on their shoulders this last couple of years and that that has been really tiring for a lot of people, right? And in the background and almost invisible, to the point where I don't know why I'm irritated and agitated. Yeah, I know. It's just been a really long walk. Right? I think it has, yeah. right? And you and I, uh, even at the start of COVID, we're already thinking about what it would look like afterwards, mm-hmm. right? And you use the metaphor of submarines popping up, yeah, right? Ready to emerge back in with, with regular society. Yeah, I just feel like there's a new norm we need to create again. Mm-hmm. And those of you folks who have a little bit more self-awareness... It's, it's our time to be able to not be taken down by those things, yeah. but just breathe a little bit of love and light into it yeah. a little bit more, yeah. you know, and to just really be mindful about that. And it's so true though, and it sounds so, so cliche, but, you know, giving also has a bit of receiving in the end too, right? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and that's an okay thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've mentioned before, and it may not be reciprocated exactly that way, but those things find their way back to you yeah. in time. And yeah. I think that's uh, really beautiful. Yeah, and it's right? doing it without expectation, right? And I think that's the most beautiful For sure. giving and uh, the spirit of that generosity. You know, I liked what you said earlier about being able to notice. You know, my mom was uh, an addictions uh, counselor trainer for a period of her career. And in her classroom, you know, we... I had the opportunity to be a guest speaker in her class um, on a number of occasions talking about kind of group dynamics and things like that. And um, one of the things that my mom espoused uh, and she kind of spoke about this phrase, she called it the art of noticing. And she said that, you know, it was one of the things that was in sharp decline, not just in the profession of counseling, but in the world at large, you know, And it goes back, if you really think, to our roots, right? You know, there was a time in our lives, you know, and certainly in our ancestors' lives where noticing was everything. And noticing happened all the time, all day long, right? And I think it's one of the things that is instrumental to gratitude is being able to notice the things in the first place. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to honoring other people, like your story from earlier, it's about noticing the things in the first place. How do we notice those things? We first have to really intentionally look, (laughs) you know, and make the time to be taking in, you know, and making space for observing those things. Because if we can't, if we don't do that, we Mm. just, we don't have a capacity to notice. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I'm not always sure where those capacities are based on the busyness of life and the importance of slowing some of those things down, paying attention a little bit more. It just allows for far greater sharing and 
far greater gratitude to take place. But acknowledgements come through noticing, don't they? As you were saying. So there's just got to be a better route to that. Yeah. Or perhaps just to open that up a little bit more. And I think it starts with noticing things about yourself. And I yeah. think that's why I love that we do so much reflective work. Because I think when people say I'm stuck somewhere in my life. Yeah. I've got something that I'm struggling with. It's so often so often a hurdle that exists inside of us. Mm-hmm. And so being able to kind of really think about what we're experiencing, what we're feeling, what we're seeing, what we're dreaming about, what we're really disheartened and frustrated about, and being able to map all that stuff out and really get it from inside to outside so we can mm-hmm. look at it mm-hmm. in a focal length that makes yeah. sense and it's in focus. Yeah. And the newfound abilities that come through that. Yeah. Right? As it relates to resiliency or otherwise, it increases self-esteem and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. It actually enables us to love and be loved more often too. Yeah, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And it provides a bit of a roadmap to how you create other instances of happiness. Mm-hmm. Because I think unless you have the opportunity to turn that lens inward and to do some noticing about the things that bring you joy, right. what are the things that have brought you joy in the past? Yeah. Chances are those things still bring you joy. Yeah. When was the last time you did some of those things? It's real true. And we, we all know that in the moments that we're not in good shape, yeah, and we all have our moments where, you know, we have challenges in our, in our life that kind of swallow us up for a bit. Yeah. We're often not in that place where we do the things we know will help us get better. And so, you know, being able to have a profound understanding about these are my go-to things that help me come back to balance, that bring me joy and, uh, you know, make things move in a more positive direction. Those are the things that are the breaking case of emergency glass, right? Right. And so, you know, it's so essential. And yet you ask people, you know, what are five things that, you you know, make you feel profoundly joyful or bring you back to balance? And people give you the stutters pretty quick. Yeah. Right? There'll be the crickets and you'll be like, Mm -hmm. so let's start there. That's Mm -hmm. a really, really profoundly important question. And I know you've had this experience too. You ask one of the opening parts for a workshop or a presentation and one of the opening activities would be to not take your pen off of paper and constantly write about what makes you happy or brings you joy yeah. without moving and even between thoughts to keep it going. The amount of times I've seen people revert to circles and drawing, it's interesting mm-hmm. that way. Yeah just like you're drawing a target for what eventually that might be. Mm -hmm. And to be able to translate that through thought into those things. I'm not casting strong judgment about that doodle or that drawing. I'm just saying that it's not always at the forefront of those things. Right. And as you're saying that gratitude really is an invaluable tool Mm -hmm. for overcoming life's challenges, embracing change. Right. And it's just something that requires practice. Right. And people are prepared to go to the gym and exercise those muscles. I know, right. And, well said. And to do it well to, sometimes to a crazy extent, right? Yeah. And yet might not still be happy. Right. And yet, yeah. you know, there's opportunities for us to exercise those other muscles. Yes. They're more difficult muscles to see. Yeah. Yeah, but if you would say to someone that your ultimate requirement to your well-being is the balance of mind, body, and spirit, one... You can't be without the other. Mm -hmm. You need all of it Mm -hmm. to find that balance within yourself. You may not get that daily. That's not what I mean. Mm -hmm. But there has to be over a particular period of time that you're keeping those in check, right? And that's the, uh, it's the part of that tool, yeah, right? That you got to be able to know how to utilize. I mean, also gratitude isn't just a feeling too. It's a powerful catalyst for personal healing and growth. That allows you to become more of what you need to be within your own authentic self. All that, Tony, just by having gratitude. Mm -hmm. All of that. I think it's, uh, it's something I try to do sometimes in the moments that I'm alone, where I can have some quiet and some 
some stillness and some peace that I, I try to talk to myself out loud. I know people at home are like, ah, that sounds funny. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's, there's something powerful about hearing your words out loud or writing them down. Yeah. Because it's, it's that same idea, as I said before, about getting the things that are inside, outside. And for people that are auditory, like I am, hearing those things Mm -hmm. has a distinct power and resonance to it because you're hearing those things back in your own ears, right? For people who are visual, writing those things down might be more powerful, Mm -hmm. right? I picture there are people even doing that now while listening to you speak. Yeah, for sure. Right. I just have to throw in how grateful I am about that, Tony. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yeah, because sometimes I, I find myself standing on a dock or standing in the forest somewhere where it's just kind of calm and beautiful and I'll just start to kind of verbalize some of the things I'm grateful for yes. and to just kind of have those things be out. And it's a mm-hmm. it's a taking stock <laughs> in some ways, yeah. uh, but it's also a reminder in the moments that are tough to kind of understand and to regain some perspective Mm -hmm. of the fact that despite being in a challenging moment or Mm -hmm. to be in front of some hurdle or some obstacle, Mm -hmm. despite all of that, that there's still things of beauty that are present Mm -hmm. and things that are balancing to that other part of the picture. Mm -hmm. I think the danger often is when our attention is fully captured by those things that are train wrecks, you know, mm-hmm. and that we struggle to be able to pull our gaze back and away from the train wreck to some of the other things that help us start to heal and to overcome bounce back yeah. and rejuvenate and restore mm-hmm. and renew, renew, reset, recalibrate all those powerful kind of processes. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a powerful time of year. For me growing up, uh, it wasn't just Thanksgiving, it was New Year's, you know, and so often, you know, we think lots of folks have New Year's traditions that involve a lot of alcohol, Um, but in my house, regardless of what else was happening, there was always some process of reflection and Thanksgiving that was present, and it was a really interesting thing to grow up around, Um, you know, so we would... You know, over our meal around Thanksgiving, uh, sometimes just verbalize as a family what some of the things we were really happy to say goodbye to in that year. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that's behind us. We had the same tradition. Right? Yeah. And to think about what are some of the things as yeah. the new year is dawning right. that are exciting and yeah. are pulling my interest and yeah. are, you know, things I'm dreaming about. And to share that publicly. Yeah. Right. And the comfort of your family and often friends there too. Yeah. I have to admit the one part of that I didn't like, Tony. Yeah. At least in my household, we opened up the oppositional doors to the house. And where we live in this area, New Year's could be like minus 30. And as I remember giving thanks on more than one occasion. I, 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 I like to give thanks for. Could close the door, please? You know. <laughs> What's the deal with the doors? Yeah, to allow that energy to flow. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. And to allow that energy that to flow through the home. Yeah. And through your life. Right. To let things yeah. come out and yeah. new things to come in. Yeah, but yeah, as a young dude, I'm like, could you just close the door, please? I can't even finish what I want to say. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, you're right. And it's all those little things that we can do. And I think that's really great for those, uh, those listeners. And that can also say to themselves that something they celebrated Thanksgiving as well, Mm -hmm. or perhaps that can be a new tradition for those folk. And it's just so much fun having an episode relating to gratitude Mm -hmm. about those things and all the little things and perhaps the bigger things that we can do in our lives to celebrate ourselves and the other people and and to get back on life is good and it can be good and not to allow the shadows to weigh so heavily and to allow for some some other light to be permitted within our own lives mm-hmm. 
and I and I must say that uh, I really do want to give thanks for those who are listening to this podcast and to those who uh, support you know Thrive Perspectives podcast and Thrive Enabling Potential. How very thankful I am. Uh, how thankful I am for Abby who does the editing for the podcast and so much more and to you Tony and uh, all the incredible work that you do mm, from your you. home outward and for Jill and all the work that she does and the love that she loves to share and I know I kind of speak on all her behalf for our, our families and our friends but really this is for you listeners at home thank you so much for realizing the importance of investing in yourselves through listening to this and how important a thriving mindset is to your success and this is why we do it right we do it so we can do it so we can share yeah so wherever you are thank you for for your presence and your support and we're really grateful that uh, you take the time to to listen to us share our stories about these things and uh, thank you very much thank you yeah i trust everyone had a good thanksgiving and uh, to our american friends Perhaps you can move this part forward with you for your giving thanks and sharing that with family and taking time to take stock and to leave things behind that don't work and move forward to things that do and the things that you can share. Anyways, hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving and those to come that uh, you have a good Thanksgiving and uh, take care. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Thriving Perspectives. If you enjoyed this and like more content from us, See the links in the description to visit our website and to follow us on social media. If you thought of someone in your life who might be positively impacted or inspired from this episode, please share it forward with them. Take care, and we look forward to connecting again with you soon. Keep on thriving. Mm-hmm.